You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Tuesday show for you. We're going to talk more about the NBA playoffs just getting weirder and weirder. The craziness we've seen already. Another upset last night. We're going to talk about Dylan Brooks and his big mouth. Lakers and Warriors starts tonight in San Francisco. We're going to talk a little bit more about Steph. Probably going to end it with a little NHL talk, including the curse of the President's Cup. I told you about it last week. I did not realize how bad it's been in the last 10 years for the defending or the team that had the best record and most points during the NHL regular season. It is way worse than you thought it was. And we'll get to that momentarily. So let's start out in the NBA. Last night, two games. First one. I don't know what you're doing, Boston Celtics. But, you know, what's the phrase that everybody's throwing around now? Fuck around and find out? Well, they did. And they found out. I'm sorry. Charles Barkley said it at the end of the game, and he was dead on. You have game one at home against a Philadelphia 76er team that does not have arguably the MVP of the NBA this year in Joel Embiid, who's out with a knee injury, probably going to be named the MVP today, did not play. You got game one on your home court against a team that cannot defend and doesn't have their best player, and you lose? Not only that, Boston, you shot 59% from the field and you only committed 10 fouls. How the hell did you lose that game? I didn't even know that was possible. You shot almost 60% from the field in a home game. You scored 115 points. You only committed 10 fouls and you lost? What a poor, piss poor defensive effort by the Celtics last night. I don't know if they relaxed. And look, we've seen this a lot happen in sports this year, especially in the NBA, where load management for one team, they sit all their starters and then they end up winning the game outright. This wasn't a load management thing. Joel Embiid is hurt. But now, by them stealing a game in Boston, yes, you want to win every game that you play, but they've already got one in the bag. They have no reason to play Joel Embiid in game two. And now they can get him three extra days rest so my guess is he doesn't play in game two and the series probably goes back to philly 1-1 but i say that and i'm like well boston just lost to them at home without joel and b why can't philly do it again now granted it's going to take a hell of an effort again james harden put up the best playoff performance he's ever had 45 points tyrese maxi put up 26 boston you can't lose the game You just can't lose that game. And how about the last 24 hours last night in the city of Boston, the previous 24 hours, lose game seven at home after blowing a 3-1 lead, and you had a one-goal lead with a minute left. And the Panthers tied it right before regulation ended and then went in overtime. And then the next night, the Boston Celtics open up the Eastern Conference semifinals and blow a game at home to the Joel Embiid-less 76ers. I... I don't know what Boston's thinking, but not a good start. If you go to the Western Conference, Phoenix is in trouble. 
for sure. Down 2-0. Now, granted, all Denver did was hold serve. They won their two games at home, which was what they're supposed to do as the number one seed. So Phoenix has to come home and win two games. And for those that say, oh, my gosh, Phoenix lost two games at home. I mean, Phoenix lost two games on the road by double digits. How are they going to go home and win two against the Nuggets who have looked far superior to them in these first two games? And now Chris Paul has a nagging thigh injury. What happens then? Well, let's just say Chris Paul plays. Remember what I told you, the Denver Nuggets or the Western Conference, there was only one team two teams actually because the Clippers won their last road, uh, home, uh, road game in the regular season. There were only two teams in the Western Conference that had a winning record away from home and that was the Sacramento Kings and the LA Clippers and the Clippers were one game over. Kings were nine games over. Everybody else was under 500 on the road in the Western Conference this year. The Denver Nuggets, while they're great at home, 34-7, and seven, they were 19-22 and 22 away from home. So it's not far-fetched to think that the Phoenix Suns could go home and win two games. They will have to play better. They will have to find a different way to defend Nikola Jokic because he is absolutely destroying them. But it can happen. And one of my pet peeves when we get to the playoffs, any sport where there's a series to play, so baseball, basketball, and hockey, doesn't count for the NFL since it's only playoffs or one-game playoffs. Anytime someone goes down 2-0, it immediately turns into, wow, the team that fell behind 2-0 is in major, major um, trouble. They have to win four of the next five to win the series. Yes. Is it ideal? No. But it's happened enough times to where you don't need to say that every time a team goes down 2-0. You know who just went down 2-0 and won four of the next five? The Golden State Warriors. And two of those were on the road where they were awful this year. So you have to take it by a case-by-case basis. When the Warriors went down 2-0, I still said, look, if there is a team that's going to come back from 2-0, it's the defending NBA champions who have been there and done this and have won road games in now 28 consecutive playoff series. So, and same thing when a team goes down 3-1. Yes, teams more than likely very tough to come back from a 3-1 deficit, but it has happened before. So you can't just automatically write teams down that are down to write teams off that are down 2-0 or down 3-1. You just can't. The other craziness that's happening in the Western Conference or in the East, both playoffs for the NBA, Western and Eastern Conference, is something I said as we were heading down the stretch of the regular season in the NBA. What did I tell you? I said while Memphis and Sacramento have had great seasons, nobody's going to take them too seriously come the playoffs because the teams behind them are all way more experienced and playing better down the stretch. The Phoenix Suns had Kevin Durant, who they had only gotten at the trade deadline. The LA Lakers, completely different team from the trade deadline on. The Golden State Warriors, defending NBA champions. And who are the teams that advanced? Phoenix, Golden State, Lakers. This is the first time in NBA conference semifinal history a five seed, six seed, seven seed, and eight seed have advanced. The five seed is who's the five? Why am I blanking? Oh, duh, the Knicks. Knicks are a five seed. 
The sixth seed to advance is Golden State. The seventh seed to advance is the Lakers. And the eighth seed to advance is the Miami Heat. It's never happened before in, in conference semifinal history where a 5, 6, 7, and 8 made it out of the first round. The other thing that I find very, very interesting, and this was brought up yesterday and all the Steph talk that was going on, do you know Steph Curry has won more of his career playoffs? He's won more playoff series in his career than Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, KD, Shaq, Kobe, Larry Bird, Kareem. He's won 85% of his playoff series. He's 29-4 and four in playoff series in his career. That is unheard of. I don't know who's won more. I guess I don't see Bill Russell's name on this list, so he's probably won more, I guess. But, I mean, those are the greats, right? If you're looking at top 15 players, uh, these guys are all in the top f- 15 in NBA history right now. MJ, Magic, LeBron, KD, Shaq, Kobe, Larry Bird, Kareem. They're all somewhere in the top 15. And Steph Curry is 20. Sorry, I said 29 and 4. I couldn't read my own writing. 23 and 4 all time. Still ridiculous. 23 and 4 all time in NBA series. And, you know, the Lakers and Golden State tonight begin their series in Golden State. Again, I can you could give me a breakdown for why the Lakers are going to win this series and I'd be like, "Yeah, I can see that." And you can give me a complete breakdown as to why Golden State's going to win this series. I could be like, "Yeah, I can see that." I honestly have no clue who is winning this series. Because there's a part of me that's like, "This is the defending NBA champion. They've been there, done that. They know how to win." And this Laker team has only been together since February. They're still getting to know each other while they're playing great basketball and they played great basketball down the stretch. They completely wiped the court with the Memphis Grizzlies for six games. They still have not played together. You're, you're basically putting together a team that's literally played three months together against the core four that the Warriors throw out there that have played together for the last at least five years. Wiggins has only been on the team for the last two. I'm talking about Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Kevon Looney. And then if you're making a Laker argument, there's a part of me that's like, if Anthony Davis comes to play, I don't see anybody on the Lakers, not that can stop him, but can even contain him. Kevon Looney, as important as he is, has to play the series of his life against Anthony Davis for Golden State to control the Lakers. So there's a part of me that's like, are the Lakers young and with this young nucleus that they have outside of AD and LeBron, these young guys that have all come together in the last three months, are they just young and dumb enough to where it's like, I don't care what the spotlight is. I don't care that this is the Golden State Warriors and the defending NBA champions. We're damn good ourselves, and we're going to beat them. Or is this just a series that plays out and Golden State wins it because they're Golden State, you know? Is at some point the age factor and the miles and the mileage that the Golden State Warriors have put on their legs over the last nine years finally going to catch up with them? 
you probably thought that after two games in the Sacramento series. Like, Sacramento is too quick for this team. Golden State looks a step slow. They look old. How are they going to win four of the next five? And they did. So, <laughs> I honestly, you're like, Steve, who do you like in this Golden State? I have no idea. I have no idea where this is going. You could tell me one of them is going to sweep. I'd be like, yeah, I could possibly see that. Like, I don't think there'll be a sweep, but yeah, I, I, I just don't know. I've got no feeling on this series. I just, what I do know is I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it because it's literally my favorite team going up against my favorite team to watch, which is Golden State. So I can't wait. Game one tonight. Tune in. One final point <laughs> I want to make about the Lakers and the Grizzlies series and Dylan Brooks and why it was so stupid of him to say what he did. LeBron's old. I'm not going to show anybody respect until they drop 40 on me. Well, how about losing by 40? Like they beat you 125-85 in game six. Does that count? But here's the thing. Here's the thing with the whole Dylan Brooks thing. He's an average player. Anybody can talk the talk in the NBA. We know there's tons of trash talking. But when you're a guy who averages 11 points a game and shoots 33% for the field, nobody cares what you have to say about anything. Just shut up. You didn't scare anybody by what you said. You didn't get under anybody's skin. They basically laughed at you. And then you walked out at the end of game six out of the locker room without speaking to the media, which shows how chicken shit that was. You talk all this talk, you lose by 40, and you don't face the music, and you don't talk to the media after game six. So what happens? Dylan Brooks goes home, and yesterday he speaks to the Memphis media, and they asked him if he regretted what he said about LeBron, and he said no. This is my point about the whole thing about talking trash or guaranteeing wins. It doesn't matter what you say. Anybody that's guaranteed a win ever, it's like, great. If you do win, wow, you backed it up. Most of the time, those people are like, no, we're winning the next game. If they don't win, what happens to them or what happens to the team? Nothing. Anybody can guarantee anything, and if they don't win, nothing happens. So what's the point? Why are we putting any stock into average player A saying, oh, I guarantee we're going to win next game? And if you don't, what happens? Do they lose money? They don't get a paycheck? They lose a draft pick? It would be if, if the NBA set something out that said, if you ever guarantee to the media you're winning a game and you don't win that game, your team loses a draft pick, nobody would ever say a word. When, there's, when it's just words and there's zero stake behind it, who cares what you say? Especially if your name is Dylan Brooks and you're a above-average defender and you basically offer nothing offensively it's just I can't believe how bad he looked and he doesn't seem to care and he doesn't even regret it it just shows you how ignorant he is and he's a free agent this offseason if I'm Memphis I move on from that guy good riddance see you later you're just a headache and you're a shit talker who can't back it up goodbye if there's any Memphis Grizzlies fans listening to this podcast I if I were you I wouldn't want him back. Would you? I, I, I can't imagine there's many Grizzly fans that are happy with that guy. 
and don't care if he's not, not on the team next year. Your nucleus is Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, and Desmond Bain. You build around those three guys, you will be a key factor in the Western Conference playoffs every year for the next 10 years, barring injury. Dylan Brooks, do whatever you want. Nobody cares the hell about you. And remember how I told you there's a five, six, seven, and eight seeds still remaining in the NBA playoffs? The combined regular season winning percentage of the eight teams currently left in the playoffs is 590. That's the lowest it's ever been since the playoffs expanded to 16 teams in 1984. Previous low was in 07, and that was still a 617 winning percentage. And it's it's bringing up this conversation. I saw a couple articles on it yesterday. Does the regular season matter in the NBA? And the answer is no, it doesn't. It can produce some good games, some exciting moments, but all that matters is what happens when you get to the playoffs. Sure, a good regular season gets you a high seed, but ask the Memphis Grizzlies and the Sacramento Kings what a high seed got them. The teams that beat them were playing better towards the end of the season. So, but what are you going to do? There's talk to maybe lower the NBA regular season to 74 games, 72 games, but gosh, I can't see owners giving up five, four or five home games of revenue, which is what it would be if you went to 74 games or 72 games. I don't see it. You think owners who are in this to make money want to give up four or five home games a year just to get a smaller schedule? I don't see it happening, but it just, I hate to tell people this, and it's not like, oh, don't go to the games, they don't mean, they just ultimately don't mean much. All that matters is what happens come playoff time. It looks pretty, maybe can be in some record books for what you did during the regular season, but nobody will remember it if you don't follow through in the playoffs. And speaking of that, I want to end on this point. Remember how last week I told you that the President's Cup winner, which is best regular season in the NHL, most points, well, the last time, in the, in the last 37 years, only eight teams that won the President's Cup in the NHL, best regular season record, most points, best overall record during the regular season, that's your President's Cup winner. Only eight of them, and in the last 37 years, ended up winning the Stanley Cup. That's less than 20%. When you dive even deeper into that, the last 10 years, it's just been awful. So the Chicago Blackhawks were the last President's Cup, President's Trophy winners to win the Cup. That was back in 2013. Since then, there's been 10 seasons in the NHL. Only one time did the President's Cup winner. I keep saying President's Cup. It's President's Trophy. So I apologize for that. But only one time in the last 10 years did the President's Trophy winner even make the conference finals. Not the NHL finals. Conference finals. So we're talking about the best team in the regular season in the last 10 years has only made the conference finals once. 
Here are the last 10 President's Trophy winners and how they fared. I'm not even going to tell you the name of the team. I'm just going to tell you what round they went out in. Second round, conference finals. Second round, second round, second round, first round, second round, second round, second round, first round. (laughs) So you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe the Boston Bruins lost in the first round of the playoffs after having 135 points and being the best team in the regular season. They lost to the Florida Panthers, who had 43 points less than them. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. It really isn't, because in the last 10 years, the President's Trophy winner hasn't even gotten out of the second round nine times. Nine of the 10 years. That is crazy. Which goes to show it really doesn't matter. Three of those were the Boston Bruins in the last 10 years. The Capitals were twice. Tampa Bay Lightning once. Rangers once. Avalanche once. Florida Panthers once. And the Predators once. But, man, you talk about regular season meaning absolutely nothing. All you got to do is go to the NHL to look at that. I don't even care next year who the President's Trophy winner is. I'm betting against him in the first round of the NHL playoffs, and I'm going to bet against him in the second round. And if somehow they win their first two rounds, I'm betting against them in the conference finals because history tells me they're going to get bounced no matter who it is and how many points they have. And I've told you already, the Boston Bruins this season had the best regular season in the history of the NHL. No team had won more games. No team had scored more points. And they had a 3-1 lead with two of the final three games at home and lost to a team that barely made it in, and they scored 43 more points then this season. Amazing. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review an Apple Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with yet another podcast. Again, it really helps if you pass it along. I'd love if you would give it a five-star and leave a comment. Definitely helps the podcast. So thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.